Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel and Hookset. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. Uncovering bitter roots. Uncovering bitter roots. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. This is our our main text that we've been using. And let's just begin reading through. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You you have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. And you've forgotten the exhortation that speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons or daughters. For for what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you're without chastening, of which all have become partakers then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we've had human fathers who have corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For indeed, if for a few days, for if they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful nevertheless afterward, It yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight the paths of your feet, so that which is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one shall see the Lord, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, looking carefully, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, And by this, many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his, his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought for it diligently with tears. So it's time to catch up. Let's go through this really quickly. Number one, bitterness brings darkness. Bitterness brings darkness. It destroys our influence for good. Bitterness destroys our influence for good. Uh, He tells us that we're to pursue peace and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. 
And so if we are allowing bitterness to grow in our hearts, and that bitterness is breaking the soil and becoming a tree, many are being defiled by our lives instead of being led toward Christ by our lives. It destroys our influence for good. It is um, synonymous with being resentful, aggrieved, dissatisfied, disgruntled, discontented, grudge, grudge-bearing. Anyone bear grudges here? Anyone know someone like that? Somebody crosses you, and that's the last thing they're ever going to do to you. You are going to hold a grudge until the day you die, right? That's bitterness, my friends. Rancorous, spiteful, sullen, sour, morose, peevish, and petulant. And we started this series by being encouraged to kill bitterness before it starts. So if you're here this morning, you're like, I'm not bitter, I'm fine. The encouragement to you is to kill it before it starts by focusing on Jesus. Not only on the example of Jesus, and certainly that's important that we look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, as an example. We see how he walked. What would Jesus do, right? That whole saying everybody in the, um, what was it, late 90s was wearing the WWJD um, bracelets, and then some smart aleck turned it into what would Jack Daniels do, and um, it was terrible by then. It's more than just looking to Jesus as an example. It's being filled with his life and his passion. It's walking in step with him. And as we walk in step with Christ and as we see him in our daily lives and we are focusing on him without distraction, his light fills us. And in his light, we're going to recognize when that seed has been planted We're going to recognize when we're going down that path of bitterness, and we're going to be able to kill it before it gains a root. We focus on Jesus. We walk with him. His light shines in and through us. And the best way to avoid bitterness is before it strikes, by fixing our eyes on Jesus. Now, as I said, um, we want to get to work. So turn to your Bibles in Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you be also tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then... He will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Let him who is taught in the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not marked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption and When we talk about the flesh, we're not talking about our skin and bones, right? We're talking about the fact that every man born on the face of the earth, except for Jesus and Adam and Eve, were born with a sinful nature, a nature that has perverted God's gifts and has bends toward that which is sinful. Every single person. So me, I have bends towards certain sins. There's 
there's this influence of my flesh, right, that leads me to uncontrollable anger or whatever it might be. So when he talks about if you sow to your flesh, he's talking about sowing to that fallen human nature, gratifying the flesh. When you're angry, allowing your anger to become out of control, right? You follow what I'm saying? So we're sowing seeds of selfishness or we're sowing seeds of bitterness. We're sowing seeds of condemnation of others, right? And that is sowing to the flesh. We're sowing seeds where I'm better than other people, right? If he thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he is deceived, right? We're sowing these seeds into our flesh. We will reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit, that revived part of our nature, that resurrected part of our, part of our lives, God, when he comes into your life and saves your eternal soul, he imparts to you a living spirit. Your spirit was dead prior to your introduction and acceptance of Jesus. Your spirit was dead. You're a three-part person, body, soul, spirit. And you had a body and you had a soul, but your spirit was dead. Are you all walking with me on this? Your spirit was dead. But when you were saved, if you've been saved, he gave you a living spirit. And we're to sow to that spirit. And when we sow to that spirit, we reap everlasting life. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And, and by the way, we look at bless God, bless others, be the blessing. This is an example of bless others. Of the inward love of the church for itself. There's, a, there's this pendulum that swings in church life. Sometimes the church becomes so inwardly focused, they're not concerned about anybody else outside their four walls. They're not willing to make changes. They're not willing to do more outreach. They're just internally focused. And so unfortunately what happens is that is overcorrected and the church becomes so outwardly focused that it loses its connection with itself and it loses its love for itself. We've got to have a balance of both. Thought I'd throw that in there. Now, so let's take a look at <clears throat> sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. We've looked at a few examples of bitterness. So the, the question this morning is, is, how about you? We've looked at Naomi. We've looked at Simon. We've even looked at Peter briefly. But how about you? What have you been sowing in your life. One of the most heinous roots of bitterness comes when we take the seat of judgment ourselves. Right? We take the seat of judgment and we condemn others. Now, maybe that person that hurt you or just maybe someone in society at large and maybe someone with a D after their name or an R after their name. You may just sit in condemnation of people who embrace a certain kind of sinful lifestyle. Hey, Pat, can you shut that fan off, please? <clears throat> but we take this seat of judgment for ourselves, and the problem with judging, listen now, the problem with judging others is it will come back to haunt you. Okay? We judge others, it will come back 
to haunt us. Because you will, it's a spiritual principle we're talking about this morning, you will reap what you sow. It's a spiritual principle. It's not a promise, but it's a principle. You reap what you sow. Sowing is a a farming term. I'm sure you're familiar with it. You till the soil, you make your rows, and finally you plant the seed. Right? We plant this seed, and, uh, and then the seed is watered. Sun shines down. The seed takes root. The plant breaks the surface of the ground, and it begins to grow. We, we water the seed of bitterness by nursing those grudges. There's some people they are just not happy unless they're upset about something. And we constantly ruminate on the thing that has caused harm in our lives, the thing that has hurt us, or, or a situation that's out of our control, as we discussed with Naomi. And we, we allow that to consume us, and that is watering that seed of bitterness. We nurse that seed. We care for that seed. And it's not good, because when that seed breaks the surface, you're going to reap what you have sown. So, if you walk away from, how about you turn them all off, Bill? You walk away from, it might get chilly in here in a minute, you walk away, so I'm going to get it hot right now. You, you, Lord, help me. If there's one thing you walk away from the service with this morning, I want you to walk away with this principle. You're going to reap what you sow. You're going to reap what you sow. And that would be a good tattoo to get. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. It's a biblical principle. It's a biblical principle. So let's take a look at Romans chapter 14. We're going to talk about the, the seed of, the root of judging others. And when I say judging, I mean condemning. Romans chapter 14, turn with me. If you have your Bibles or if you have your apps or you can read it on the, listen, if all you're doing is reading on the screen, kind of feel bad for you, because y'all aren't taking notes, you're not highlighting things, you're not going to have something to pass on to a loved one when you die, or when you're still alive, and you say, hey, I want you to have this. I still have notebooks filled with sermons that once in a while, I'll go through, look at those sermons from Pastor's Eve, and I think it goes that far back. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to dispute over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but one who is weak eats only vegetables. Now, that's not a slam on, what is it, vegans or vegetarians, although Paul does say you're weak. I'm just saying. Sometimes those that are weak get on their high horses. You ever meet somebody like that? It's like people that quit smoking. They're right to quit smoking because it's dangerous. But then they get on their high horse, don't they? And they just start preaching to everybody, slamming everybody left and right. No, you shouldn't be smoking. Well, you shouldn't have been either. Just leave me alone until I finally get my heart right. Let him who eats, let, Lord help me, let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. Let not him who does not eat Judge him who eats, for God has received him. Who are you? I love this. This is the Apostle Paul 
most educated man to, to write in the New Testament. Who do you think you are? That's a little paraphrase there. But who are you to judge another's servant? If he's a believer and you're a believer, he's not your servant. He's not beholden to you. He's beholden to God. Who are you who judges another man's servant to his own master? He stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. I love that. No one is going to approach the judgment seat of Christ on the basis of their own merit, on their own good works, on their own good deeds, on their own morality. The only way we will be able to stand before the judgment seat of Christ is if God stands us up. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. Folks, there are churches that decided to have a Saturday service or a Thursday service, and they were excoriated by the traditionalists. How dare you have a service that is not on the Lord's day? How dare you? And we need to understand that in the New Testament, we have, that we have commands and we have examples. And we should not turn an example into a command. Okay. The example is the disciples met on the Lord day. Lord's day. It's a good example. I believe we should follow it, but it's not a command. The command is assemble together. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. That's the command. So one esteems one day above another. Sunday is the day. Or in the Jewish culture, Saturday is the day. And another says, well, weren't they all made by God? And he said, look, each of you be fully convinced in your own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. He who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord. He who gives, for he gives God thanks. He who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat. And he gives God thanks. None of us live and die to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die... We are the Lord's, for to this end Christ died and rose again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. For why do you judge, but why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Got quiet here. I was just thinking about social media. Twitter, Facebook, Spotify. He's thinking about how much bitterness is peddled on social media today. How much contempt. How could you even think that? Now, there's nothing wrong with standing up for what is right. But we don't need to belittle others while we do it. That was a massive problem with a former politician. We should not be showing contempt for our brothers and sisters in Christ, even, even when they're wrong. Even when they're wrong. Even when they're steeped in sin, we don't show contempt for them. They're our brother and sister. Remember what Galatians says? You who are spiritual, restore them, but watch out that you don't fall into the same hazard. It's awful hard 
to be an agent of grace in someone's life when you're so busy condemning them, when you're so contemptible of their sin, it's awfully hard to restore that person. This is why so many people avoid churches today because they walk in the door and they know the moment they sit down they're going to be, they're going to be sitting in condemnation. But Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came that the world might be saved. And Christians are like, well, that's not, that's not quite good enough, Jesus. I think I can handle this a little bit better than you can. Like, I think you got that wrong, Jesus, because if we don't condemn them, people will think that we agree with them, and we don't want that, Jesus. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess, so then each of us shall give an account of who? Himself, herself before God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or to cause a cause to fall in our brother's way. So, it's time to dig. Now, some of y'all need shovels. Some of y'all need some garden spades. But there's some people here or even online that you probably need something a little bit more like this. Like a backhoe is necessary in your life because those roots of bitterness are so deep. It's going to take more than just playing in a sandbox to deal with it. It's work, folks. It's work. People don't want to come to church and work. They want to hear a nice little message, say, amen. Oh, Eric, what a great job preaching today. You're so articulate. I really enjoy listening to your sermons. And then they walk out. And I've said it before, if all you do is enjoy the sermons that I preach, but they don't impact you and you're not taking them with you and you're not being serious about what God is revealing to you, you've been entertained. And I'm not claiming blame for that because that's your fault. You need to hear the word of God. And as Jesus said, you need to hear his words and do his words. And then you will be blessed. James, his brother, his little brother, said that you need to be a, hear, a doer of the word, not a hearer only. So when you all come to church, don't just come to church to sit down and hear a nice little sermon and walk out. Are you ready to work? Bitterness is a plague on the church today. It's a plague in the lives of Christians today that is, has so horrifically ruined the church's influence in the world today. They see the hypocrisy. They see the hypocrisy. Can I say this, Lord? Help me. I'm just going to say this. I'm going to step out. It's my opinion. Well, is it, Lord? So many on the right criticize the hypocrisy of the left. And they, they observe how the left rips things out of context. Have you ever seen that? Anyone who supports the left, have you seen it in your own people? And then the right gets on their high horse. See? 
mainstream media ripped it out of context. That's not what he said. And then the right, there's something that's, I don't know how long it's been going on, but probably for a while now. They have begun to do the same thing. They've begun to do the same thing. They take something out of context, throw it up on social media, and all of the drones pick it up. Don't check the source. Why would we check sources, folks? Sources aren't important. It's the message that's important. And you lose all moral authority because you're calling one side a hypocrite while you're doing the same thing. And it's no wonder in November of 2021, the Congress of the United States of America's approval rating was 20%. 20%. That kind of makes me wonder why people trust anything the government says if they, you only approve them 20% of the time. I digress, but the point I made was this, in case you got lost in that. The world sees your hypocrisy. They know when you're living a life of condemnation. They know when you're contemptible. They know these things. And then you try to share with them the glorious gospel of grace, and they look at you and they say, what grace? You've not given me any grace. I heard you talking about him. I saw what you wrote about him. Folks, we, we must and we can be better, not bitter. And I know I tick people off when I hammer the right and the left. And I know who I am and I know what I believe. Right? And if you only hammer people who don't believe what you believe, and you ignore all the things wrong with your side, you're a hypocrite. Thank you, Lord. We'll just go on. Time to dig. So we talk about the power of, of bitterness in our lives to destroy our witness for Christ. We talk about how, how it's a root, and the Bible says we need to be careful. We need to look carefully for that root. And this is the work that we must do. We must be looking carefully for the root. And so here's how we will begin to look for that root. Number one, number one, it's not even a number one on my notes, but I'm just making it up. Number one, what are you reaping? I don't know. Okay, that's why we're working. Look at your life. Forget about the seed that you sow. Forget about that for a second. Um, if you walk into a garden, not my garden, I tried to do a garden once. I, could, I can't even grow tomatoes, like barely grow tomatoes. But you walk into someone's garden who actually knows what they're doing, like Pam or Mark, right? Pam's garden. You're like, that's me. Condemning Mark. No. <laughs> Just well earned, well earned. Humility is a sign of spirituality. You walk into Pam's garden, it's in the middle of whatever the season is where you're ready to harvest it. Harvest season? I don't know. Huh? What? I can't hear you. Let's say you're growing. Let's say something like a. No, something, something like a pumpkin. October, you're growing a pumpkin patch. 
you walk into the pumpkin patch when it's sowing season, and you see the ground is tilled, and you know that it's been buried, and you see some water, and you're like, I wonder what that seed is. You don't know unless somebody put a little stick in the ground that says pumpkins. You don't know what the seed is. It's under the ground, right? It begins to develop under the ground. It begins to draw nutrients out of the soil. You still don't know what it is until that first little fern or that first little leaf starts to poke through the ground. And now if you're not a horticulturist like me, you would look at this leaf and you go, hmm, I wonder what that is. Because I have no idea what a pumpkin leaf looks like. It could be a strawberry, a pumpkin. I have no idea what they look like. So I might have to wait a little while. And then you start to see this, this, these giant orange things. And I know what that is. It's an orange. It's a pumpkin. I mean, you, you look at this pumpkin patch, you see the, the little faces on them looking at you, and you're like, that is a pumpkin. So where I want you to start this morning, where I want you to start this morning, is I want you to look at the garden of your life, and I want to ask you what is growing out of it. You reap what you sow. What do you see in the garden of your life? I should probably look at my notes. I wonder where I'm at. Digging may not be comfortable, blah, blah, blah. The garden of your life. So let's start here. Look at your own life. What, your own person. Are you angry all the time? Are you angry all the time? Are people afraid to talk to you? Are people afraid to talk to you? If you've done something wrong, do people just let you get away with it because it's not worth their time? It's not worth their aggravation? So they just let you go in your sin. Angry all, you look at your own personal life. What fruits are you able to observe? Is there sexual sin in your life? Has someone done something to you a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago, and you're still bearing a grudge? Has someone come? Now we'll get into what forgiveness means later and how to forgive. And when you forgive someone, it doesn't necessarily mean that immediately they earn your trust and have the same place in your life as they had before. But are you holding a grudge? What else can you see? What do you see in your life? What fruits do you see? The people around you. I should have had a shovel up here. That would have been a really good, like, illustration. So let's just pretend I have a shovel. How about the people around you? Because we know that bitterness is a root that grows up into a tree. Do we not? Is that what the Bible says? And that as that tree spreads out, those that fall under its shade, the Bible says many are defiled. So let's dig. 
let's look into our lives and let's ask the question, what about the people closest to me? What about the people closest to me? Do the people closest to me have anger problems? Particularly those that are related to me, like my children or my grandchildren. Sin has a way of becoming hereditary. And when you sow bitterness in your life, don't be surprised when it grows up in the lives of your children and your grandchildren. So look at your children right now. Take a look at them. Are they holy little angels? Maribel, that's your fault. Maribel, it's your fault. She hit you. It's a mirror, man. Your children are a mirror. That's why my kids are perfect. If there's anything bad in them, it's from Trish, not from me. I usually say Trish is perfect and all this, and she hates that, so I'm going to go the other way from now on. Like, it's from Trish, not from me. It's not true. <laughs> She's my... <laughs> danger. <laughs> Stranger danger. Digging, digging. Look at the lives of your children, your grandchildren. Do you see bitterness, hatred, anger, short-temperedness, quick to judge? Do you see your kids holding grudges? Who taught them that? Do you see your kids hard to approach? Child's done something wrong and you have to approach them and they're just impossible to talk to. Difficult to discipline. What do you see in your prodigy? What do you see in your grandkids? So we look in our lives, we look in the lives of our offspring and, and we look in the lives of those that are around us, how they react to us. And now we begin to paint a picture of our garden. It's work. It's work. Now, you can walk out of this service and pretend you never heard anything. Or you can go home, and tonight, before bed, you can begin to observe your garden that you start to see here in the service. Take a notebook. Start writing some things down. Because if you don't deal with this bitterness... You reap what you sow, and if you sow to your flesh, of the flesh, you will reap destruction, corruption in your lives. They said digging is not comfortable. Some of you may not have experienced bitterness, and I hope you never do. But as I've looked out over this church in the last five weeks, I've seen some on the edge of their seats, leaning forward, wanting to know more, understanding that there's some bitterness in their hearts and they just want to get rid of it. I've seen others holding back tears, some not holding back tears very well. You know there's hurt. You've become aware of your bitterness, but you're not sure you want to let it go just yet. Because you so badly want to hurt the person that hurt you. 
or maybe you just want the attention. This is the easy thing about preaching. I'm not talking to anybody in particular, but some people just want the attention. I'm hurt. I've been hurt. Oh, I'm sorry. If they love that, the problem is it's feeding into your bitterness. It's feeding into that bitterness. You're in tears and you know something's wrong and you know you need to get to work, but you're afraid to let it go. It's been with you for so long. What will you do without being bitter? What will you do without nursing that drug? What will you do without your victimhood? What will you do? You don't even know what it's like to live free. You know what it was like the last time to run around like a little kid. You don't know what it's like to be genuinely happy anymore. You fake it. I know you do. I did. You fake it. But it's still corrosive and corruptive and destructive, and it's hurting not only you, but it's hurting those that you love. And it's, it's hurting those that don't know Jesus yet. Finally, there's some that are here this morning, and I've watched over the last several weeks, who are implacable. You know what the word implacable means? The book of 1st, uh, 3rd John, he talks about those that are implacable. They, they cannot be reasoned with. They will not be argued with. They cannot allow their armor to be pierced. They're holding fast in their opinion. They're holding fast whether it's wrong or right. They will not allow you to come in and confront them. They are implacable. They will not be persuaded. I don't want to hear this. I've been hurt, and I am never letting it go. Never. Never. I know people that are nursing grudges from 13 years ago. Still haven't let it go. And I understand that you've been hurt. I understand the level of pain that you've been through. I have shared in some of this pain. But it's going to destroy you. And you're like, ah, I'm 52. It hasn't destroyed me yet. <laughs> You keep playing Russian roulette then. There's only five bullets in a six-shooter. Oh, no, there's only one bullet in a six-shooter. Well, you know, with bitterness, it's more like five. I'll give you three. Click. Click. That's what you're doing. Oh, I'm 50, I'm 60, I'm 70. I don't have to deal with this. I'm almost done with life. <laughs> But you forget that your bitterness is infecting your children, it's infecting your grandchildren, it's infecting your great-grandchildren. How many people have you watched that are older, and you see the sour mouth, and then you look at their children, and you see the same thing growing in them? Oh, pastor, preach it. Yeah, but I'm not yelling and screaming. It's not preaching, right? When I first took over, a bunch of people in this church thought I was soft because I was nice. That I wasn't stomping on people's toes and yelling at them. I don't have to yell. I mean, I like to yell sometimes. Nathaniel Phillip! Can't yell at Chloe anymore because she's getting married. Nick, you can yell at her for me, okay? 
Wherever you may be on this journey, know this, your bitterness hurts more than just you. It's time to dig. It's time to look in your garden. It's time to figure out what's growing there. And then you can get to work and cut those roots out. So what do you do? First, you confess to Jesus. Lord, this is, this is the fruit that I found in my life. I found this, this fruit of condemnation. I found this fruit of contempt. I found this fruit of judging others. And Lord, I'm asking you the best way I know how to forgive me of this sin. Cleanse my heart and my soul and help me to be free of it. You express what you believe that you've been reaping in your life because of this sin of bitterness. My children have become caught up in it, Lord. My wife's become caught up in it, Lord. My husband. Lord, those in my inner circle have been caught up in my sin of bitterness, and I pray that you would forgive me for impacting them so negatively, and I ask that you free them of my bitterness. Free them from the chains that I've wrapped them in. Lord, forgive me for taking your place when I judge others and condemn others. Forgive me for kicking you off your throne. So we started the message. So many of us think we're better than God at, at judging and condemning when Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn, I came to save. Amen. Cleanse me of my sin. Relieve me of the reaping. Be specific. Lord, this is what I've been reaping. Lord, this is what I've been reaping. Please free me from this reaping. It's a biblical principle, a biblical law, but God can free you from it. Thus, uh, that's how powerful the blood of Christ is. You want to talk about the best pesticide ever made. The blood of Jesus will get to the root of the matter and he can relieve you from that principle. He can relieve you from that discipline where you've been trained by it. Oh Lord, I've been so wrong here. Please relieve me of the consequences of this sin of bitterness. Forgive me for being unapproachable. Forgive me for judging this person. Relieve me from what's been going on in my life that's mirroring my condemnation of that person. Cleanse my sin by the power of your blood, Lord Jesus. And then this, declare the sin has been paid in full. We're going to get more into this next week, obviously. I have a Bible in my office. That's the Bible I took away to my counseling retreat back in 2019, I think. In the Bible, my counselor who's now passed away and he's hanging out with Jesus every day. In this counseling retreat, I had to go through this stuff. It's tough to get the whole church to go through this, but it's so important. It was, I think, five hours a day of counseling for five days, something like that, four days. And as we went through this counseling, guys, it got quiet like this. 
And the night before the bitter root judgment counseling, I had to do homework. Can you imagine that? It's bad enough you go to go to counseling. You gotta actually do homework? What counselor gives homework? He knows you're already stressed out. Why would he do that to me? But I went to work. I went to work. And I know some of y'all think, and I never implied this, that I went to a counseling retreat to learn how to counsel. Not the case. I went to the counseling retreat because I knew I was going to be out of ministry within a year to five. I was going to be done. Which may shock some of you. So be it. Pastors aren't perfect and they need help. And I remember that night, he's like, okay, you got to go in there and write down every person, every event, everything that you've been judging others on. And look in your life for the fruit. Look for consequences. And then when we get together tomorrow, we're going to go through this. I'm not asking you to get together with me. This is between you and God. But I had to get together with my counselor. Not fun. But what was fun was the freedom. Oh, the freedom and the joy that comes from being relieved of bitterness and condemnation in your life. Hey all, thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.